0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. And boy, do I have a good show for you today. I was so honored to get to speak to my guest today, Tim Spector. I think this episode is really going to change the way you think about your health and wellness and your practices and it might even change your approach to all of that so i'm speaking to like i said tim specter he is an award-winning scientist and author he has over a thousand original articles published in some of the world's top scientific journals placing him in the top one percent most cited scientists on the planet as a professor in genetic epidemiology at King's College London and the leader of the world's largest identical twin study, Twins UK, Tim wrote his best selling book, Identically Different, which makes understanding genetic traits and how our environment impacts our genes easy for anyone to grasp. Then he had another book called The Diet Myth, which was the first introduction on the importance of the gut microbiome for human health. For a wide non-scientific audience, it became an international bestseller and remains a brilliant insight to the unique way each of us interacts with food through our microbes. More recently, Spoonfed offers the latest evidence on food science and personalized nutrition, the impact of our food environment, and how profits and policy impact our dinner tables with a pragmatic real-life approach. And then his most recent book, Food for Life, is his most extensive yet taking an in-depth look at all of the latest scientific evidence on what we eat, how we eat it and why, and how we can use this knowledge to improve our own personal nutrition. Tim is also the co-founder of Zoe, which is a personalized nutrition platform. His talent in translating scientific evidence for everyone to understand and use for their own decision making led him to present his work on the unexplained missing link between genetics and disease, the human microbiome, to worldwide audiences. And it was during one of his presentations on his groundbreaking microbiome research that he met his Zoe co-founders who shared his vision of helping individuals understand their unique biology to improve their own well-being in an accessible way. So in today's episode, we are talking about all of this. We discuss some of the most prevalent nutrition myths out there right now. We talk about why calorie counting is not a good strategy for weight management. And he has some surprising insight into exercise and weight management as well. We talk about why and how calories aren't created equal, when exercise can actually be counterproductive. We talk a lot about the gut-brain connection, the gut-brain axis, and why restricting foods and food groups can be detrimental for gut health. We talk about why gut issues are so prevalent today, what health foods to be wary of, what to focus on when planning your meals and sitting down to eat and so much more. This episode is so value-packed and like I said, I think it really is going to shift your perspective and your approach to not only nutrition but wellness as a whole. So please enjoy Tim Spector. Welcome Tim. I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Great to be here.
0: I have been listening to so many of your interviews. I've been following you for a while, and I think your research and your content and your books and everything are so incredible. And I was thinking about how I wanted to approach this interview. So maybe to start, we could just talk about what are the most prevalent, maybe egregious myths that you see out there in nutrition right now?
1: Okay, uh, there's quite a few. I think the ones to highlight really are that calorie counting is a useful way of controlling weight. That all calories are equal. That basically rapid crash dieting is, you know, is actually beneficial. That fats are usually bad for you is still quite common. That eating small amounts regularly and often. Is uh, a good way rather than sort of feasting and and fasting. I think that, that ultra processed food can be good for you if it's low calorie, low fat, and it's got extra vitamins and other additives to it. And most people believe that most supplements, whether vitamins or other chemicals, are. Uh, are likely to be beneficial. Uh, the other one is, I guess, is exercise helps you lose weight. Interesting. Um, they're probably my top ones. There's, there's probably more that will come to me out of the mm-hmm. blue, but um, there's probably enough to get get on with. Yeah. And well, everyone's everyone's the same. That yeah, that everyone like all women, you know, have this two thousand calorie sort of target mm-hmm. to go for, and that uh, we all respond the same to the same diets or regimes.
0: Well, when I started my kind of wellness journey, I really thought that health meant looking a certain way. And in order to do that, I had my macros calculated. This was really big here. I don't know if it was big where you are, six or seven years ago. And somebody would calculate basically your BMR based on your height, your weight, your activity level, and then give you a certain amount of calories and macros to eat a certain day. And you track that. And obviously, this led to really disordered eating. And I did get myself into the shape that I wanted, I guess, but I felt horrible. I had no energy. And it was kind of this idea of telling my body what it needed instead of my body telling me what it needed. And during that time, everyone kind of just said, yeah, thermodynamics, like it's it's what you put in and how much energy you expend. So can you expand on on that a little bit?
1: calories are not equal so when you see a pack in a a supermarket it says these calories on it that's uh they're done in a universal way that's been the same for about 100 years you burn it in a calorimeter and you see how much heat it gives off but in your body has a very different effect and so there are big differences depending on the structure of the food itself so If you, for example, take uh, ground almonds, like a sort of almond flour or something, highly refined, though you'll get extract all the calories out of those almonds and all the fats and all the all the sugars, etc. And if you eat whole almonds, we know that we extract about thirty percent less from eating the whole product, and also the fats will be absorb lower in your intestine, have a very different effect on your body. And that's why ultra-processed foods of of the same calorie count will have a very different effect on your body to whole foods of the same calorie count. And so there's many examples where the structure of the food is very different, highly refined, ground up, very absorbable, gets rapidly into your metabolism, has a very different impact on your body, usually negative to a whole food, which takes longer to get in there, make you fuller, you know, in a different way as well. And in our, the other experiment we we also did is in the Zoe study, we looked at, we've given this nutrition company that I helped co-found about five years ago, we've now given 50,000 people, customers identical meals at the same identical time of day, and they report what happens to their blood sugar. And About one in four people about one in three women get a sugar dip three hours after eating a carb meal and for those people they actually go on and eat much more during that day they're tired they're hungry and they overeat and so this really tells us that then they were identical calories so you know the idea that a calorie has the same effect across everybody is now been completely disproven for the reasons of structure, but also the individuality of us as humans that we respond very differently to, to food. So you sort of put all this together with the fact that it's pretty impossible to calorie count, and it's also impossible to really measure your metabolism out the other end as you know, you were trying to do six mm-hmm. or seven years ago. You know, the accuracy of that is, you know, plus or minus 50% um everyone is so different it's so complex and they're interrelated so you know and that 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 that's the reason that calories are a bit of a nonsense if you're trying to use them as a way to work out what to eat in, until we know much more about them and the way it's done at the moment they're just a big disguise for poor quality food you know low mm-hmm. cal just generally that means probably avoid it because they've mm-hmm. it's been manipulated in that way and is not going to be healthy for you, then something might be whole food and with more calories. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 the sort of the calorie question. Did you want to get on to tackle the the one, the exercise one, which upsets a lot of people?
0: I don't know about you, but I feel like for years I have been cycling through shampoo and conditioner, and I just can't find one that I really love. I feel like they're always either too heavy or they make my hair too greasy or my hair feels limp or dry. But I have been using Vegamore and I have to say my hair is looking really good and I've gotten a lot of messages too. So I appreciate those. I am telling you, with Vegamore, you really can get healthy, beautiful-looking hair without the use of harmful chemicals. All of their products are cruelty-free and never contain parabens or hormones. And Vegamore has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. The Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit is so easy. It works together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. This is what I have been using, and it's been a total game-changer. I feel like... My hair is conditioned and hydrated without being heavy and having that greasy feeling, like I mentioned before. It also smells so good to the point where I actually look forward to hair washing day now. And if you know, you know, hair washing day can be kind of a pain. So with Vegamore, there is no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. But with 91% of customers saying they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months, you will not want to run out. So get the hair you've always wanted with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com blonde and use the code blonde to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R slash blonde. And the code is blonde to save 20%. Again, it's vegamore.com slash blonde. Hi guys, it's Jordan from the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. On my show, we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, motherhood, channeling, healing, and so much more. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and the healing journey I embarked on at that time set me on the path to radical awakening. Let's just say I had no choice but to change my energy, and that opened me up to the most beautiful healing of my life. On my show, you can expect to feel like you're sitting in my living room chatting with old friends. Tune in every Wednesday to connect and hang on the Balanced Bond Soul on Fire. I think there was a twin study, right? One was on a diet and one was not, and you followed their weight gain or their weight loss progress. Can you talk about that a little bit, and then we'll go into the exercise piece.
1: Yeah, that was um, a study we did about 12, 13 years ago because I've been studying twins for 30 years. In the UK, we have about 15,000 twins. And if you take identical twins that are clones, you know, you can learn a, a lot about why they differ. And so from this large group, we found twins where one of them has weighted fluctuated over the years quite a lot. we have been following for about 20 years and they tend to be the ones on diets. And so we followed those up And found that although they started aged 18 the same weight, they were, you know, when you got to 50 or 60, they the one on the diet was nearly always heavier than the one who just stayed the same weight. So this just means that this this up and down cycling is 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 changing our sort of body's thermostats and probably just nudging it upwards all the time as we tend to come out and the body rebounds after calorie restriction, and we sort of know this whole idea of you know the more you restrict calories, it's fine for a few weeks, but then your body just starts getting these hunger signals just build up, mm-hmm. your metabolism slows even more, even more lethargic, and it, it sort of gets you right back so you get this incredible hunger, and then you you tend to overshoot a few months later where you were. So like a
0: compensatory response.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and and most of the the world of you know, I went to a conference recently. Uh, all the obesity experts in the US and the UK and Europe were were there, and you know everyone was agreeing that you know this 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 idea of purely calorie restriction as a way of sustained weight loss really is no longer supported by the science. Mm. It's not just a wacky theory. I think mm. you know it's yet. There's this, you know, hundred billion dollar industry trying to maintain the myth that there is science behind it Mm. because it's sort of the old style science, this old reductionism that food's just macros and calories, and it's so easy. You just got to have a little tool that measures your calories and some magic instrument that you know was going to cut your metabolic rate, and bingo, you know, we can help you. And yeah, it usually works for a few weeks, and then it definitely doesn't work. And, you know, and you've, you may have only lost a few pounds, but you lost a lot of dollars.
0: Mm, Exactly. Well, let's get into the exercise piece, because I have not heard this.
1: So there've been quite a few studies now, I'd say about 20 studies of exercise, either against a control group or against calorie restriction or with calorie restriction. And it shows that Again, initially, if you exercise, you will lose some weight for a few weeks, but then your body compensates. And so it makes you hungrier and it actually probably slows down your metabolism so that you tend to regain that weight. And, you know, we all know that that sort of mental idea, I've just been to the gym for an hour and a half, you know, I can have a smoothie now and a donut, you know, and You undo it all. So there is also that psychological uh, Mm. effect, which is being, you know, promoted by your body. But the science really shows that these long-term studies of people exercising and and, and trying to lose weight doesn't doesn't succeed. So it's only really change of diet or magic drugs or you know major surgery that makes you lose weight permanently, and that's a real shock to people. There is some evidence that once you've lost weight. Doing some exercise can help you uh, maintain it, but really that's fairly trivial. And most of the experts now agree that this is not the main benefit of exercise. But I'm a big, I exercise and I know it's really important for my physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's good for my heart, preventing cancer, all kinds of other anti aging properties as well. So let's not throw it all out just because mm-hmm. it, it's not a a quick fix, you know, as weight loss. And we should be moving away from this idea of everyone trying to get rapid weight loss, you know, in January after the the holiday season Mm -hmm. and really start thinking about what are we gonna do sustainably rather than these these so-called quick fixes that are promoted by everybody and gym memberships and all this kind of stuff and just go for something much more long-term and realistic. Mm
0: -hmm. You've talked about how interconnected mental and physical health are now, and that you really can't separate the two. And a big part of that interaction, I would imagine, is the gut. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes, so-called gut-brain axis. Mm -hmm. And we've all experienced, you know, stress from wherever it is, you know, an exam or whatever, where our our guts start misbehaving. And, you know, we know there's a, there's a, a real obvious connection there, but we didn't really know how sophisticated it was until recently through understanding about the gut microbes, these community of trillions of these uh, bacteria, fungi, viruses, parasites that live in our lower intestine that are essentially like mini pharmacies. They are producing thousands of chemicals every hour in order for our body to function properly if if they're fed right. And they some of the chemicals they produce are neuro, neurochemicals, neurotransmitters, for example, like serotonin, which many people might know about as a sort of happiness, contentness chemical that affects the brain, and that's how antidepressants work. So most of the serotonin we get is produced by bugs in our gut, which, you know, Is a bit of a shock to to many people. And so they produce this chemical, which then goes to the brain. And there's many other chemicals that are constantly going back and forth, as well as the microbes influencing the immune system, which also goes into the brain. So that explains why there have been lots of studies now showing that antidepressants only work in a minority of people, actually. There's quite a few people they don't work very well for, and others they do. And we now know that the gut microbes you have in your, in individually, which all vary, we vary enormously, depending on which type you've got, they will or won't work because you need them to make them work. And this is all linked to this serotonin idea. Plus, there's a number of studies now showing that probiotics, these live microbes given as capsules or drinks that are known to promote beneficial health, have been shown to have in placebo studies good effects on depression and anxiety, as good as antidepressants in some of these studies. And a big Australian study did a three-month study for people with anxiety and depression showed that a gut-friendly diet, like a a Mediterranean high-fiber diet, was actually more effective than antidepressants for this. Mm -hmm. So I think we're really understanding that mental health is really linked to our gut. And there's lots of other small studies in Things like autism spectrum disorder and schizophrenia and various other mental conditions disorders that are linked. And it's it's cause and effect as well. You know, we all know when depressed, we're less interested in food, we're going to have less variety. And so our our diet gets worse. But what these studies have also shown is it's very much causal because you can actually make mice depressed or anxious by transferring microbes in the poo from. An anxious mouse to a sort of normal mouse and make it anxious. So wow. it is infectious. Mm-hmm. So, always important to sit next to an optimistic person rather <laughs> than a depressed person.
0: I don't know how it is in the UK, but where I am in Los Angeles, there is this very restrictive attitude towards food, I think, kind of in the pursuit of health and wellness where everything is gluten free. Everything is dairy free, everything is refined sugar free, everything is soy free. And I'm curious if that has a detrimental effect, because I would imagine that, you know, your gut really thrives, that bacteria thrives off diversity, right? So what happens when we are limiting the 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 food that we're giving it?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. And you know, I think gluten the gluten scare probably reached its peak about five years ago. And we know there's probably 10 to 15 times more people who think they they have gluten problems than really do when you test them. And, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's, it's very exaggerated. It's often other things in the food that's upsetting people. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that you cut out, it. it's sort of, it's what I hate about the old way of, thinking about nutrition it's this reductionist idea that you have these complex foods you know most foods have hundreds or thousands of chemicals in them and we talk about one in one food and you think that's that's the cause of all my problems and it is so naive to think that it's so whether it's this lectin idea that there's this you know bit of the plant wall that irritates you or it's gluten or it's monosodium glutamate or it's mm-hmm. you know it's some bit of a grain i think it's it's very misguided and because there are always some examples of these but they're extremely rare and everyone just says oh i'm just like them you know i've got similar symptoms it must be the same they start cutting out all the healthy things out of their diet like people who go gluten free they tend to cut out so many good things so many good grains so much fiber that They find it really hard to get a whole variety of whole plants, fibers, and, you know, they they suffer and they have ultra processed food replacing it, which they think they're happy with because they can read on the packet exactly what the the chemical contents are. So Mm -hmm. that whole mentality of reductionism, it may, it's a bit like people have gluten intolerance. They temporarily help their problem, but long-term they cause themselves problems because we know that a healthy gut depends on a diversity of, of plants in the diet. And we showed with the American gut and the British gut study, which we put together about seven or eight years ago, that the sweet spot is this 30 plants a week. And the people who have these obsessions about food can never get to that level easily. And so that's, that's, an, you know, that's a real problem.
0: Mm-hmm. How should we be eating then what should we be focusing on when we sit down to a meal is it diversity of plants is it nutrient content i mean i know that we talked about that a little bit and hit on that but what should the listeners do when they're sitting down to have a meal to eat for their their health
1: well i think the first thing to do is to change the mindset that you know you, you don't i don't, don't care about calories and You know, we've shown in the Zoe program now that we don't discuss calories, but people have more energy. You know, many people lose weight, even sort of ignoring that whole category. We don't really talk about macros either. We do talk about taste and enjoyment. So let's not forget that. You've got to Mm. enjoy what Mm -hmm. you're eating. It's part of life's real pleasures. And it'd be very sad if it becomes this, you know, military exercise that you've got to do. You've got stuff that's tasty and fun and diverse. You've got to think of it So, what do my gut microbes want to eat? Okay. And if you can keep them happy, generally the rest of your body will be happy as well. And so this is where we, you know, I've come up with sort of four or five rules that are breakable rules and, uh, you know, more like general guidelines. So one is have 30 different plants a week. Okay. Big diversity. And that way you don't worry about any individual one because you've got so many different ones. Even if one has got some lectin in it, it doesn't really matter because you've got this diversity. It's, you know, and that includes nuts and seeds and herbs and spices, which many people don't think about. And then try and pick foods that have high polyphenol counts. This is eating the rainbow, these defense chemicals in these bright, the colored, slightly bitter tasting fruits and vegetables. We're talking berries. We're talking again the nuts and the seeds. We're talking brightly colored. Peppers, you know, cauliflower, picking a lettuce that isn't a boring iceberg lettuce, picking a nice one with purple red leaves. These have whole the polyphenols. Also, other strange things, coffee is a health drink, and mm. it's associated with reduced heart disease and increased mortality because it's a plant. It's a fermented bean. And we forget what real food is. Coffee is a real food and it's a health drink it's probably one of the healthiest things you can drink if you have 3 cups a day the average american is probably going to have a th- that's a third of their fiber content
0: wow how about matcha
1: well the whole you know matcha and green tea have their role but they're not as powerful as actually uh, coffee in the studies so you know i think and black tea is also it's slightly beneficial but nothing like getting close to coffee decaf is 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 probably nearly as good as caffeinated coffee interesting so i think that they you know and people still think of orange juice as healthy and i mm-hmm. you know that's to me that should have a health warning on it because of its impact on your sugar and it's an ultra processed food for most people the other point is fermented foods and having small amounts regularly is really important so whether it's yogurt whether it's kefir whether it's kombucha's kimchi, krauts, or, you know, the Japanese misos and the the fermented soybeans, doesn't matter, you know, a small amount regularly is really helpful, reducing the amount of ultra-processed foods because they have negative effects on your gut, and finally, having a long overnight fast is another way to help your gut microbes rest and help your metabolism. Mm -hmm. So they're the very general rules that I think everyone can relate to even before we get into this whole question of personalization and individual differences between us.
0: If you are looking to elevate your space and your mood in 2023, I have got you. Well, actually I don't article furniture has got you article has everything you need with their stunning range of living and dining room, furniture and decor. And it's truly the easiest way to make your space look beautiful. They combine the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. Articles' team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. And they also have really fast, affordable shipping. It's available across the USA and Canada and shipping is free on orders over $999. And the great thing about Article is they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you. So there's no showrooms, no salespeople, and no retail markups. In fact, you can save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. So some of my favorite items that I have are from Article. I have the Ivory Gabriola Boucle lounge chairs. They're so gorgeous. And I have been eyeing the Oda Rattan bench for the beach house. It's absolutely stunning and very affordable. And right now, Article is offering my listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So to claim this, just visit article.com slash blonde, and the discount code will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com, A-R-T-I-C-L-E slash blonde for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. I have gotten a lot of messages from people who are wanting to make 2023 their year. They want to take charge of their health and wellness, meet their goals. They want to implement healthier habits into their life, and they don't really know where to start. Well, Sakara wants to help you guys meet those goals too. If you want to make 2023 your healthiest year yet, Sakara's organic meals and wellness essentials are designed to deliver results. You deserve to have an amazing year and Sakara makes it easy and delicious. Sakara delivers science-backed plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin they have a gut reboot Nutritional program that I have been eyeing. I love all of their food. Even their signature program is just so delicious. There's so much variety, and every expert that I've had on the show has said that the key to gut health is variety. So you can go on Sakara.com and just type in your zip code, and you can look at the menu where you are for next week. For me, next week we have a pumpkin pie parfait. All of the parfaits are so good. They have so many different bowls with all kinds of vegetables and nutrients. They have a lavender love parfait. They have the chocolate love muffins, which are my favorite. They are coconut oat crumble and superfood honey almond caramel. So delicious. Have it with some berries. It's so good. They have a rustic tomato soup. Let's see. I'm going through the menu right now. Oh, they have the maple sweet potato bowl. So good. Cherry tea cake. They have sweet potato coconut parfait. Parfait. just so much goodness definitely like i said go on the website check it out check out their different programs and right now sakara is offering my listeners 20 percent off your first order if you go to sakara.com slash blonde or enter the code blonde at checkout that's s-a-k-a-r-a dot com slash blonde to get 20 percent off your first order sakara.com slash blonde I feel like a lot of people complain of gut issues, kind of this blanket term. I've certainly had issues with my (laughs) digestion over the years. And I think that that's another way that we back ourselves into a corner when it comes to diet, because we get this restrictive mindset of, okay, I can't eat that. I can't eat this. Is that valid? Or do you think that is the result of eating these ultra processed foods and maybe eating quote unquote healthy foods that are actually more processed and I don't know, environmental. Like why do you think that seems so prevalent now?
1: Well, IBS irrit- irritable bowel syndrome really hardly existed 50 years ago. And, you know, when I was a medical student junior doctor, I hardly saw it. It was a rare occurrence. So it it's 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 a recent phenomenon on the American Western diet. <laughs> and I think And perhaps our lifestyle as well. So definitely, I think it's the way we've we've not only the food we eat, but also possibly how we eat. The idea that we're snacking all the time, we're not giving our gut a rest, I think is important. Not getting enough general fiber in there to have regular bowel movements that keeps our gut microbes healthy. And interestingly, the Zoe Health Study has it's also got a free app. And in the UK, we've got a, a, like a citizen science project where 140,000 people have signed up to do some intermittent fasting experiments. And the first results are showing that quite a lot of people had irritable bowel syndrome at the beginning, lots of bloating and constipation pain. 30% of them got better when they had an overnight fast of uh, 14 hours. Wow. Wow. So, that's That's quite a big improvement um, mm-hmm. for that, so again, this concept of how you eat not only what you eat but how you eat. so I think it's there isn't one magic solution which everyone's looking for the magic bullet, <laughs> but it's this this slow shift towards this healthier way of eating real foods, not all these ultra processed foods with these chemicals like sweeteners and emulsifiers that interact with our gut microbes and make them do things you know unhealthy chemicals they produce. Mm-hmm. So it's moving people in the right direction and realizing it's not a quick fix. It's a it's a slow progression as you slowly build up your plants. Someone with IBS finds it very difficult to suddenly treble their fiber intake. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to realize that this, is, this takes months and months and, uh, you know, to, to reverse probably, you know, 10 years of problems.
0: I think that's really helpful to hear because... I think it can be discouraging when you hear something like what we're talking about. Okay, I need to incorporate more diversity into my diet. And then you go for those 30 grams of fiber, or whatever, the next day and you, your stomach is upset and then you just feel like, okay, well, then I must have a different issue because this doesn't work for me. So I think it's really helpful to hear that it, it's gradual.
1: You know, and, and getting some ad- advice for people who've got these problems, how to do it really slowly. And you know, just don't go crazy. People just they want to do something new, and so they over overreact, and it, it mm-hmm. often causes a bad reaction. You know, you, you just overload the microbes. They, you know, they don't know what to do, and mm-hmm. you get fermenting everywhere and all <laughs> kinds of gas and stuff. But you got to get back to where really we were fifty years ago, and all our ancestors were. You know, we've got to get back to that position and realize we're, we're in this. We're all in this rather diseased state. Mm-hmm. We have lost about half of our beneficial microbes in the last hundred years.
0: Wow. You mentioned orange juice. I don't want to instill fear in anybody, but are there other foods that the listeners should be wary of? I've heard you talk about these sort of healthified breads. Could you talk about that? And is there anything else that we should be aware of?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think most people know if they have a, a candy bar or a a Coke or a Pepsi, that's not particularly good for them, right? So I've got no real beef about that. It's pretty obvious, right? It's the sneaky ones that that claim to be healthy and say, no added sugar, no calories, no this, extra vitamins. They're the ones you need to be worried about. And some good examples, as you said, a lot of breads are, you know, they use all kinds of wording on the label to, to confuse you. And ultimately, there's only really Two figures you need to look at is the the fiber content and the carb content, and it's got to have a ratio that is, you know, around five five to one of carbs to fiber, and if it most of the breads we eat have about twenty to one. So that's the real thing: is how much fiber is actually in it, and yes, it might have a few seeds and things that make it look good. It might be dyed brown to make it look like it's whole grain, whole wheat, but that you know, all kinds of extra sugar in there. So that's the main problem. And they've got lots of additives. So the list of chemical, if you look at it, you have a list of 20 or so. For me, I you know, I found when I did my personalized nutrition test with Zoe that most breads, even if they were brown and looked great, gave me a huge sugar spike and a dip afterwards. And I've more or less cut them out apart from. Things with lots of rye rye in it, so pumpernickel style German breads are pretty good. They've got lots of fiber. Sourdough is generally good, but there's again a lot of trickery going on. People adding, sprinkling a bit of sourdough flour to make it smell like sourdough, but it's still mm-hmm. made the old-fashioned way. So it's about getting to know your breads. Breakfast cereals is another one. I think people tend to think, you know, a granola or a muesli is naturally healthy because it's got lots of bits in it, but Often there's so much hidden sugar and salt in there and other added chemicals. And you know, once you get a glucose monitor on, you see there's these changes. But I forgot, porridge, porridge oats, that's another one. A lot of people think that's healthy. No. I, I thought that before I tested myself. Did <laughs> you?
0: I love oats. I, I do like an overnight oats with a lot of chia seeds and nuts and berries and things like that. I don't know if that makes a difference.
1: It does, yeah. So I tested the difference between three types. You know, the sort of instant Quaker oats, and then you've got mm-hmm. the the jumbo oats, the <laughs> rolled ones, and then the the steel cut. We we call it, and you know, you can tell by the cooking time. You know, one's sort of instant in a in a microwave, the other one might take sort of five minutes, and then the other the other one is is overnight or hours, and it's the longer cooking one is you know, has half the sugar peak of the instant, which, you know, it just is refined. It just pops straight out. It's real, just sugar. And yet it's been billed as a cholesterol busting health food. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there are a couple of good examples. There's, you know, many others, I mean, all the, obviously we talked a bit about diet, diet drinks. A lot of people have you know, switched to diet drinks or some, you know, sweeteners in foods or biscuits and things like this and cookies and, all the evidence is now showing that they have negative effects. A couple of them actually can spike your your blood sugar, even though they're supposed to be inert. And all of them have a, an effect on your gut microbes. Mm-hmm. So and they, in kids, they particularly change your threshold for sweetness. So that if you give kids lots of these artificially sweetened drinks, they'll always be asking for more sweet, sweet foods and won't be able to handle sour or bitter foods. Mm-hmm. So You know, you can change the brain sort of semi permanently if we overdo the sweeteners. And so they should come with a health warning. May not be quite as bad as sugar, but in my view, uh, nearly as bad and worse because people think they're healthy. Mm.
0: To that point, is a sugar, a sugar, a sugar, a sugar? I mean, it's coconut sugar, the same as brown sugar, the same as raw sugar, you know, maple syrup, honey. I make a lot of desserts and I usually tend to use honey or maple syrup or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's still sugar, right?
1: Yeah. When I, when I researched this for the, you know, for the new book, I was, I thought there'd be some difference between them. Mm. I wanted there to be some difference, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I, I really couldn't find any that in the end, your body treats it the same. There might be other ingredients in it that have some other effects, but Essentially, it's the same chemical it gets broken down to, you know, slight differences between the sort of sucrose, fructose, but any difference is pretty minor on the body. There was a big debate raging for the last 10 years, really, about high fructose corn syrup and whether that was worse for you than a standard table sugar. And I think the jury's still out on that. They work in different ways. But I don't think we can say that one is better or worse than another. And, you know, I love honey. And the only only difference I could find is that if you have honey rather than sugar, it's going to help your cough if you've got a virus or or, or a cold, whereas normal sugar won't. So it it has other properties in it, Mm -hmm. but its effect on your blood sugar is going to be, unfortunately, the same. So that's why the industry have about 50 different names for sugar. and. Beware of all of them.
0: <laughs> well, I know that at the core of being a scientist, being a researcher is humility and knowing that things changed, right? They're dynamic. But did you have any kind of fundamental ideas that have changed over the years or has, have you discovered or researched anything in the past few years that you just went, wow, I thought I knew this and I realized that I didn't know at all?
1: Lots of those. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I, like most, you know, an MD, I, I, you know, I used to be a rheumatologist seeing patients all the time, often overweight with arthritis, with, with nutrition issues. And I was just giving everyone the wrong, the wrong advice all the time. It was just eat less, move more. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really matter what you eat. You know, if you cut it down, you'll lose weight. And, you know, it was appalling advice and, we were trained to say that you know you should avoid fatty foods, you should be having starchy, carby foods, and this is good for your heart. It's got that all wrong. And then you know, even the last six years since writing Food for Life, the latest book, I've, I've changed my mind on things like things you know like fish. I used to think fish was super healthy. There's no reason not to um, have lots of fish. I now realise that that data is exaggerated. And, you know, it's not harmful fish to eat, but it's certainly there's no evidence it's really that beneficial for you. And mm-hmm. it's really a disaster for the planet mm-hmm. to uh, eating all these fish, which mainly come from fish farms and, you know, under dreadful environmental damage that we're, we're causing. If we make everyone eat fish, it doesn't make you brainy, doesn't really protect you from heart attacks, et cetera. So, I, you know, there's many things in the in the new book that I've changed my mind on. I'm trying to think of other ones that I got completely wrong. Well, I used to think bread was pretty okay because it had, you know, grains and fiber in it. I changed my mind on meat, and, and I, used, I experimented with being vegan for a while. And then, you know, we do agree that eating lots of processed meat is bad for you. Bad gives you reduce your life, heart disease, cancer, etc. But there's no real evidence that eating a small amount of good quality meat is bad for you as long as you've got enough vegetables in your plate. So mm-hmm. I, I've sort of reversed my, my views on that. And I think generally I've realized that um, as I've done my individual testing, you know, you can't have one rule that applies to everyone. So for me, having fatty meals is actually very good for me and having starchy carb meals, which, you know, I thought as a doctor, everyone should have turns out to be actually bad for me. So, yeah, and I, I didn't imagine that fasting would be good for me either. So, yeah, I, I'm quite happy to say I've made lots of mistakes and, and I'm, I'm still probably you know, going to change my mind in the next few years about some other foods and things
0: mm-hmm. as we
1: learn, learn more. I think it's really important that we don't stick dogmatically. And that's one reason that I don't really want people to think of food as a religion. You've got to be in one group or another. I think we, we all need to be flexitarians to some extent. Mm. and you know, the, the choices we make every day in food are probably the most important things we can do for our own health mm-hmm. and probably also the most important we can do for the planet. Mm-hmm.
0: Amazing. Well, everybody should follow you because you share so much valuable content and your books are incredible and they can listen to you on other podcasts. And Zoe has a podcast as well. And I want to be respectful of your time, but I do like to ask all of my guests one thing we should stop doing today and one thing we should start doing.
1: Well. Am I allowed to? Well, if I, I can repeat myself, and you know, yeah. stop counting calories and mm-hmm. try and look at, at the real quality of the food you're eating. I think that's and next time you eat, think that you're not eating just for yourself, but with your hundreds of trillions of gut microbes.
0: Mm-hmm. Like you say, you never dine alone, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I think changing our whole mentality about way we we think about food, and it's it's there to be enjoyed, but that's also you know. Realize that we're a, a body made up of lots of different organisms. I mean, you know, lots of people to look after.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.